present Frankie Howard. With June Whitfield and Bob Todd. Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is, of course, Francis Howard. Not an impressionist. This is your actual Francis Howard himself. No, you're. Oh, his trousers are tight. <laughs> Nothing worse. Anyway, um, look, the thing was this. You're saying to yourselves, what is Francis? Look, as a woman here dozing off already. Mrs. Dunn goes up now. I'm just starving all this to get through yet. <laughs> she had a long journey, I suppose. Um, no, you see, the thing was this. I, you all say to yourself, what is Francis doing on steam radio? You see, I'll tell you. I got this call from the head of the radio, the man who runs this place. What's the man's name? Sing, uh, <laughs> you know, Sing. And, uh, no, not Big Thing, dear. That's the... <laughs> That's the head of television. This is radio, small thing. Anyway, I had this call from Small Thing. Yes, what's his name, Small Thing? And he said, well, I do a series for the radio. And he was very nice about it, ever so nice. He said, if I didn't come round right away, he'd report me to the post office for not having a licence. Oh, ever so nice, so sweet, charming. I went to the entrance, here, he said, to the entrance. And I saw this notice up. Bingo. Bingo, I put it myself, I must have made a mistake. So this chap in the front, this, you know, the doorman, he said, no, it's all right. He said, oh, this is the BBC. It's the BBC, he said. The only thing is that we have to fulfil two functions now because we're so poverty-struck. So because he, he said, it's the British Bingo Corporation during the afternoon and the British Broadcasting Corporation night, you see, because we're trying to make some money for steam radio. So anyway, I paid my 20 pence and I went in. And... Now, come along, come along, some good stuff here going to waste. No, no, no charity. And there was another man in, inside. And every time I gave him my ticket, he tore it in half. I had to buy tickets. And so I went up in the lift. And it was another mistake, because that was 25 pence. But I had to get out, another 20 pence. And that's not including the tip. And I wouldn't have minded that, but it took me, it cost me 50 pence. 50 pence to, to get into this uh, small thing's office. 50 pence. 10 pence for the deck chair. What a liberty. What a liberty. I mean, small thing, wasn't there? No, I just I had to talk to his assistant. Very small thing. <laughs> anyway, I was in this office and this assistant, this assistant, he drew himself up to his full height and he said, Come on, Howard. He said, Don't waste it. Never say Howard. It's all hard. Come on, Howard. He said, Don't waste my time. He said, I'm a busy man. I'm writing my memoirs. So, uh, yes. I said, Are you? Oh, I finished mine. Just finished mine. Oh, yes. I've written my memoirs. 18 volumes. Four of those are the index. I told him, I said, look, you're not the only one who's mixed with the upper crust. I've had several fingers in the pie with the upper crust. <laughs> what? There's everything in my memoirs, you know. War, sex, politics, sex, <laughs> show business, sex. <laughs> my memoirs are so hot you could toast bread in between the pages. <laughs> toast bread in between the pages! <laughs> oh, fools! <laughs> Then, of course, I said this about my memoirs, and, of course, this uh, system, what's his name? Very small thing. His whole attitude changed. His eyes shone like the back of an MP's trousers <laughs> on the last day of a party conference. 
And he asked for my autograph. Autograph, because I signed. You see, I signed. And that was Francis's downfall. Flattery. I'd signed a radio contract for the serialization of my memoirs. A hundred pounds a show. But it's ridiculous. I mean, I can't afford to pay the BBC a hundred pounds a show. <laughs> See, the thing was this, I was in a real tizwas, because I hadn't really written my memoirs. I mean, I was only got a madam that for the, this, what's it, a very small thing. I mean, I hadn't written any memoirs. So I thought to myself, what am I going to do? So I thought, ah, it was obvious what I needed, a woman to take them down. <laughs> Hello, she's woke up now again, madam. <laughs> take the words down, dear, take the words down. For the memoirs. You've got a right one over there, I tell you. So anyway, I advertised for a woman. Shorthand typist required to type memoirs for distinguished literary figure. Please bring own typewriter. Well, I got hundreds of replies. All from this one woman. <laughs> Now, you are Miss Lyme. Won't you sit down, dear? Not on me, dear, not on me. That's better. Oh, and you didn't even know I was ill. I'm much better, thank you, yes. Yes. <laughs> Funny woman, isn't she? Now, perhaps we should start by discussing the fee. Do lumps. Yes. <laughs> How old are you, Miss Lyme? How old? Oh, four o'clock. Really? You don't look a day over ten past three. <laughs> um, I think I'll give you a little test. No, no, I, I don't wear a vest. A, a test, dear, test. There's no need to shout, I'm not deaf. Oh, I'm sorry. Not at all. Oh, I haven't got my machine switched on. Yes. Oh, all right. Have you ever typed anyone's memoirs before? No, no, but I have worked in a Scotch wool shop. Well, I wasn't actually intending to knit my memoirs. And before that, I worked in a laundry. Oh, that'll come in useful. Some of the chapters will need cleaning up. Right. Now, let's go on with the test. Right. Now, fire away. Pardon? Fire away. Fire away. Right. <clears throat> Francis Howard's Memoirs by Francis Howard. Chapter one. It was a typical January evening when I was born. The wind was howling, the rain was falling heavily, the trees arched their backs against the storm. It was almost as if the weaker ones were cowering against their larger brethren for shelter. In fact, it was real brass monkey weather. <laughs> Can you read that back, please? Oh, I didn't get all of it. Well, read what you got. It was. <laughs> well done. It was well done. Oh, God. <laughs> Forget the shorthand. Put it straight on the typewriter. Put on the typewriter, Put all right? Put it on the... That's right. Oh, typewriter. Oh, now, yes. I'll go a little bit slower, and you go a little bit faster, and we'll try and meet in the middle, as the Archbishop said to the actress. <laughs> Mr. Howard. I'm sorry. Now, you ready? Yes. Fire away. Now, when I was 14... Yes, fire away. Oh, God, I just... <laughs> when I was 14... We moved to number five, Forest Road, Fulham. One day, when I was in bed with flu, my father said to me, Frankie, I want to tell you the facts of sex. Well, I was flabbergasted. Francis's flabber has never been so ghastly. <laughs> at that moment, at that moment, 
at that moment, my father's trousers suddenly fell to the floor. It was a complete farce. Right. Read that back. But my trousers are gone then. Go on. When I was 14, we moved to number I've, Orist Road, Ulham. Orist Road, Ulham? Yes, well, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you there are no F's on my typewriter. No F's? Flipping egg. Let's have a look at that now. Let's have a look. We can't print. We can't print this. When I was 14, we moved to number I've, Orist Road, Ulham. One day, when I was in bed with Lou, John, my father said to me, Ranky, I want to tell you the acts of sex. Well, I was labbergasted. Rouse's labber has never been so ghasted. At that moment, my father's trousers suddenly held to the lure. It was a complete arse. Pretty good, wasn't she? Very good. I mean, I didn't mind her without her Fs, so long as she didn't drop her Hs. I minded her Ps and Qs. I mean, all I had to do was to go to the stationery office and say, I want an F. Except I didn't have enough LSD, so I had to give an IOU. But really, it was all as simple as ABC. Isn't this cleverly written, all this? <laughs> round of applause for writers. Round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Now, um, I was ready now to start making notes for my memoirs, but I didn't have a pen, a pen. And my memoirs, I thought, deserved better than a pen. Because all the best of we scribblers, you know, Shakespeare, all that mob, they used quills. Quills. So I went out to get a cheap quill. <laughs> quill, Mrs. Issues again! She's as common as muck, this one down here. Now, now, the thing was, I went to the shopkeeper, and he said, we don't do them anymore, they don't do them anymore. The only thing you can do is to get a swan. So I got a swan. <laughs> what a fool! What a blind fool! You should not take other people's advice. I couldn't get the beak into the inkwell. <laughs> and when I did it, wrote in this large, scrawly letters everywhere, you see. So I thought, now, before I put Swan to paper, <laughs> I'd ring the producer and find out the form, find out the form. Now, this producer said, X, Y, V, stroke, in triplicate, by Friday, because they're form mad, you know, here. Oh, form mad. This producer, he's ex-Navy, you know. Ex-Navy. Well, you can tell these military types, they give themselves away, apart from his walk and the gold braid on his sleeve. He goes around saying, hello, sailor. Well, I mean... <laughs> So I said to this producer, David, I said, it's my pleasure to work with you. Where shall I start my memoirs? He said, now tell them all about your distinguished military career you were mentioning to me. Well, nothing wrong with the pioneer chorus, though. My first day in the army, they said, now what are your qualifications? I told them, a degree in high mathematics. I speak 18 languages. I'm an expert marksman. So they pushed me in the stores. Typical, isn't it? Typical? In the stores. And the, I was in these stores, and the first thing I noticed, there was no clothes. No clothes, I think. I said to myself, this, this is a nude army. Look, you can't have a nude army marching on its stomach. But it ruins their Saturday nights. 
on their Sunday mornings. Anyway, <laughs> then I discovered the truth. My sergeant was on the fiddle. You know, on the fiddle. He dyed all the uniforms blue and then flogged them to the Air Force. This was during the war. A real, a real fiddler. Well, later that afternoon, you see, I was in the stores. A thousand new arrivals were due. A thousand. We had no kit. And the sergeant said to me, about time you did a bit of fiddling. He said, go down to the greengrocers and get all the kit. I said, the greengrocers? He said, yes. We get all our clothes from the greengrocers on the black market, black market. He said, oh, by the way, while, while you're down there, get me some wife fronts on the side. <laughs> Well, it takes all sorts to make a world, doesn't it? <laughs> there, there I was on my way down to the greengrocer to get some black market uniforms for these new arrivals. On oh, it was so degrading. Ah, good morning, sir. Good morning. Can I help you? Yes, I'd like a thousand pair of boots, please. Oh. I... We don't sell boots, sir. We sell Brussels sprouts. Don't be silly. How can you expect a thousand men of the Pioneer Corps to march about on parade wearing Brussels sprouts on their feet? I mean, they would get corns on the cobs. Don't be silly. Now, you now, listen to me, sir. I'm listening. This is a greengrocer's, not the Army and Navy stores. Look, I understood. You know. Hush, hush. Under the counter. Black market. Black market? <laughs> Who told you that? Harry in the chip shop. Well, why didn't you say so in the first place? <laughs> How many boots do you require? A thousand left boots and 999 right boots. <laughs> you see, one of the men has a wooden leg. You understand? <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. Uh, will there be anything else? Yes, I want a thousand ties. No, no, 999 ties and a dog collar for the padre. <laughs> Well, sir, so the only dog collar I can get is off my own dog. Oh. And there's only one snag. Oh. It has Fido written on it. Oh, no. <laughs> they won't do. The padre's name is Rover. Oh. <laughs> oh, what a pity. Yeah. Uh, that is the lot, is it? Well, no, there's one other little thing, one little thing. While I'm here, I might as well have a couple of green peppers. Oh, dear, sir. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I am right out of green peppers. Right out of green peppers? There's a lot of demand. Oh, this is outrageous. Well, I'm very sorry. In that case, you can forget the whole order. How dare you? Good morning. Now, now come to the part we've all been waiting for. Francis Howard reveals all about his love life. Hello, hello. His love life, work. Oh, I love work. Ah, you see. Oh, I love work. My first job, actually, was for a time manufacturer. But after a while, I told him to get knotted. Then I went to Sheffield to make knives, but I couldn't stand the grind. Um, I was a clairvoyant, too. But I was such a bad clairvoyant, I saw no future in it. <laughs> They're coming out thick and fast now, aren't they? They're rattling out. Oh, you laugh. We used to work hard in those days. Eight hours a day, and that was just walking to work. <laughs> Actually, one of the hardest jobs I have is in the fire brigade. And if it's the danger, it's the danger. I'll tell you about one of the most dangerous 999 calls I ever had.
Amen. Good morning, madam. Oh, thank God you've arrived. Where's the fire? Fire? There's no fire. No fire? Do you realize, madam, that outside I have three fire engines, two tenders and a salvage wagon? You only have the fire service in an emergency. This is an emergency. Oh, what is it? I want a man. Well, you've got 20 of them now. I only want one. You send the other 19 back. We can't allow this sort of behaviour, madam. I'm afraid I'll have to report you. Now, please, what is your name? Partridge. Miss Partridge. Give me a kiss. Please, put me down. Miss, please. Keep your hands to yourself, oh. Miss Partridge. Stop tickling my ear. I haven't finished my report. Now, I must take down your particulars. Oh, yes. Miss Partridge! <laughs> now, leave my collar and tie alone. They're government property. Now, now, stop unbuttoning my tunic. It's government property. That's not government property. <laughs> my helmet. Let me have my helmet back. Come on, lover boy. I'm all yours. Do not pinch my bottom, Miss Partridge. <laughs> Miss Partridge, don't pinch. Madam, do not. Oh, madam, do. I mean, not. <laughs> Police! Police, where's the phone? Oh, come here, darling. You're all mine. Find us, keep oh, us. Get off, get off. Here's the phone. Hello, 999. Hello, 999. Get me the police. This is an emergency. Give us a kiss. Put me down, Miss Partridge. No, you're mine. Oh, you're mine. I'm not. Yes, you are. There's a waiting no. list. I'm not. Get back, Miss Partridge, please. Please contain yourself. Oh, thank God. The police have arrived in the nick of time. Oh, dear. It's not the police. It's policewoman Grace. Hello, hello. It's Frankie comes. Come on. Give us a kiss, Frankie. Oh, no, I can't. I'm too weak. I can't. I'm too weak. No, no. It's all very well. It's all very well, you're saying. I can hear you asking, what about your show business career? What about your show business career? That's what you're asking, isn't it? Well, you've got to get it. You've got to get it. <laughs> no, I tell you, it's not easy being a comic, actually. For instance, you go to a party. Now, you go to a party. They expect you to be funny all the time. It's too much. You can't do it all the time. I mean, if, if, if you invite a bricklayer round for tea, you don't expect him to build a brick wall in your front room, do you? If a North Sea gas driller pops round, you don't expect him to be boring all the time, do you? I mean, ask a taxidermist round. Taxidermist round. <laughs> well, you don't expect him to stuff the... Oh, I don't know, though. You might, dear. She might. I, no, I can, I tell you something, because the parties, you know, cabarets, I remember one party, I just done the cabaret, didn't pay me, of course. No, 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 paid me, didn't pay me. They just said, stay and enjoy the party, you see. And, of course, the sort of people at these parties, you know, the terrible sort of, always off for golf. Off for golf, you see. And they said to me, do you play golf? I said, yes. They said, what do you play off? I said, grass. <laughs> you'd think they'd know, wouldn't you? Well, anyway, I was at this party, and I was, I'll get the bit out of my depth. I thought, well, how to do something. So I thought I'd tell them a story, something, you know, a bit, you know, risky, saucy, filthy. <laughs> All they like it as much as we do, yes. Well, it, it can sometimes be a bit awkward even telling a funny story. 
Lord Colchester, one moment. I must tell you this story. I couldn't tell it in the act. Uh, jolly good, yes. Well, you see, there was this woman of ill repute, you see, and she lived in this ramshackle little house in the red light district of Bishop Stortford. <laughs> now, one day, this one-legged dwarf came round. Ha, 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 ha. Yes. Very good, very good story, yes. <laughs> I haven't finished yet. Oh, sorry, carry on. Yes. Well, this dwarf came round, you see, and this woman, she had these two enormous, I mean, really huge... Hello. Oh, hello, Major. Mr. Howard was just telling me a story about this woman of ill repute who came round... And she had these two absolutely enormous, gigantic... Um, yes, uh, uh, yes, she, she, as I was saying, she had these two absolutely enormous, these huge... Yes. Tulips. Tulips, yes, tulips. That's right, tulips. And this dwarf, you see, he'd never seen a woman with such big tulips, so he said, can I kiss you on your tulips? In Bishop Stortford? Yes. Yes, you see, the Bishop of Stortford... He sent for these two naughty vicars. Hello, can I come in? Oh, yeah, hello, vicar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the vicar, I, I say this one is right up your street. <laughs> Mr. Howard is telling us an awfully good story about the Bishop of Stortford and how he sent for a pair of naughty vicars. Oh, yes. Dear, dear, dear. Carry yeah. on, Mr. Howard. Well, uh, the bishop sent for this pair of naughty uh, knickers. You said knickers. Ah, well, yeah, I wouldn't... Uh, well, ah, I, I meant knickers. I don't like jokes about knickers. Knickers, no. Well, he sent for these naughty knickers and he said to them, You've been nicking things, you naughty knickers. You see? They took the collection. Took it right away, you see? They were from Twickers, they were from Twickers. Knickers from Twickers. Nasty rugger types. What's wrong with Wagga? The nasty rubber tykes. They were nasty tykes. Yorkshiremen, you see. Horrible Yorkshiremen. Did I hear something about horrible Yorkshiremen? Yes. Uh, well, horrible Yorkshiremen are rare because there aren't many of them, you see. They're so sweet. And this woman, you see, she was in the club. Athenium? Pudding. And... Pudding club? Yes, the Yorkshire Pudding Club, you see. Uh, she was uh, anti-Yorkshire pudding. She was in the Society for the Prevention of Yorkshire Pudding. Eh? Uh. Yes, yes. Is that the end of the story? Uh, well, uh, no. I'll start again. Look, so many interruptions. Now, there was this woman from Bishop Stortford who had these two enormous tulips. And this chap touched her tulips. Which chap? Uh, the, uh, 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 the uh, German. A German, did you say? Well, a German. The German tulip. You see, the, the main, you see, it's a pun, the domain, um, was touched, this main, it was touched by this man from Pakistan. From Pakistan? I am from Pakistan. Yes, well, uh, in this park in Stan, Istan, in Istanbul, and these tubers were touched in a park in Istanbul. Oh, hello, did I hear you say a park in Istanbul? That's right. That reminds me of the story about dwarf and the girl with the enormous boobs. <laughs> Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. That's the end of my first chapter of my memoirs. Next week I shall be telling you more about my glamorous life, how I won the war single-handed, how I climbed Everest with an international party of nymphomaniacs, 
how I swum the channel both ways, twice, non-stop. And, of course, how I got my first parking ticket in Nuneaton. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. God bless. And the best of luck. Thank you. You have been listening to Chapter One of Frankie Howard's Illustrious Memoirs, starring, of course, the illustrious Frankie Howard with June Whitfield and Bob Todd. Also taking part were Jeffrey Beavers and John Sampson. The memoirs were written by David McKellar and David Nobbs and produced by David Hatch. <laughs>